Hey everyone, this is Anthony Fleming, Senior Pastor of Church Alive, praying that this message is fresh, real, and powerful in your mind, your heart, your family, every part of your life. If you enjoy these messages, subscribe to it, share it with a friend to build their faith. God bless you as you lean in to the power and presence of God's Word. Heavenly Father, I lift up your people to you right now. I lift up the kids in our kids' space. I lift up those in the production team. I lift up every man, every woman, every young man, every young woman. Lord, within the sound of my voice, um, Holy Spirit, they are your people. We are your people. And so God, over them, I would seek you regarding them. And Lord, together as a family, as a church family, we come around your word, but we come around your presence and we come around the house of God, the house of transformation. And we thank you for it. We thank you, Lord, that it adjusts us and speak to us. We thank you that it convicts us and challenges us. We thank you that it that it shapes us and molds us. And so Holy Spirit, I invite you in these moments right now to move across this place, to flow through your servant, to affect generations, to affect faith. Lord, in Jesus' name, I lift up your people to you, those that be dealing with sickness or just sick faith. In Jesus' name, I pray for a fresh, and I believe for a fresh oil across them in the name of Jesus. Lord, let nothing shift. Let nothing stop them, I pray, in Jesus' Name. Come on, let's all pray this simple prayer. Say, Jesus, speak to my heart. Change my life. I declare, You made me. You do love me. You have a plan for my life. And I declare today, I stand in grace. I walk by faith. I walk by love. I walk after wisdom. And I declare, I can become all you desire in Jesus' name. And a faith-filled church said, come on, a faith-filled church said, amen, 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 amen. Grab your seat, turn your name and say they're good looking and people like them. Can we thank our worship team, by the way? Thank you, guys. What you do week in, week out. Pastor Magno looking amazing in his hat. Johan got a new haircut. I just want to point that out. He went from Lord of the Rings to kind of H&M model over here. And uh, so beautiful, handsome. Johan. Timmy's also here. How many appreciate Timmy and Vanessa, by the way? They lead Thrive, do an incredible job, week in, week out, and uh, thank you, Danny. I've been having iPhone and and iPad problems, and uh, my iPad likes to turn itself off, and so then I need technically savvy people around me uh, to help my life. You good? Have you ever thought about how many labels that you have in your lifetime? How many labels you've actually been given in your lifetime? You started out son or daughter and then brother and sister, dad, mum, employee. Everywhere we go, don't we? We get labeled boss, cousin, friend, top 1%. 
middle class, college grad, high school grad, high school dropout, college dropout. I'm in college. There's always mystery when people are in college because you don't know what they're going to do, but I'm in college. Married, single, divorced, accountant, lawyer, truck driver, independent, Republican, Democrat, don't care. <laughs> Left wing, right wing, moderate, old, young, used to be young, <laughs> middle-aged. You even get kind of labelled by like what dogs you love and what cats you love. There's dog lovers, right? Dog lovers. They go to heaven. There's cat lovers. Then there's animal activists, right? Then there's never want to own an animal people. Then there's owner fish people. Bird lovers. We had a bird. We found a bird one time. Had a bird. I forgot to water him. I forgot to give him water. <laughs> he didn't last that long. Let's just say he didn't make it. Some blame me. I blamed a heart attack. <laughs> I was at the mall recently and I was drinking a coffee at one of my favorite coffee spots and I noticed, uh, for some reason, this couple walked by and I noticed specifically the brands that they were wearing. They had those bags and they had pretty expensive brag bags. It was Gucci and Louis Vuitton and they had this walk to them like, yeah, I just went to the Louis Vuitton store and I was thinking to myself, I thought it was a $700 bag and I Googled it. It's not. Like, I, I thought $700 was a lot for a bag. It's $2,500 to like $4,500 for a bag. They were walking them all like, yes, I can afford this. Anyway, let's keep going. Um, you ever walked into a sunglass place? You're like, yeah, I'm going to buy some cool sunglasses. I used to buy expensive sunglasses, and I don't anymore because I lose them all. But how many know that every time you walk into a sunglass place, you go, basically, I want to look like that? It's really what you're doing. And how many know that those people would look good in any sunglasses that they wear ever? Doesn't matter what sunglasses they wear, they look good. Maybe you're one of those people, I don't know. But we all have labels. We actually, subconsciously or consciously, we wear them. We are affected by them, aren't we? This key thought I want to give you today is that you cannot not wear labels. You cannot not be affected by labels. You cannot not wear a label. I want us to dive into, actually, uh, Steve did a spoiler alert. I want to dive us into Joseph for a moment. And I find it interesting that Joseph wears a ridiculous number of labels. Like a ridiculous number of labels he wears. If you are unfamiliar with the story and the Bible narrative, let me just give you a touch of background. He is one of the 12 sons of Israel. And as Steve talked about, he is the favorite one. How many know as a parent, even if you have a favorite one, you better not let them know they're the favorite one. I even had one of my kids ask me, who's the favorite? And I was like, we don't have favorites. And then it said, but in the Bible, they do. 
And I said, that was, not, that was descriptive. That is not prescriptive, right? That is descriptive what they did. He is a bonehead. He should have read some parenting books. How do you know that? He should, you should not give your favorite a jacket that says, I'm the favorite. And he is the youngest of them and he is young and he is gifted and the hand of God is upon him. And he starts out his life as the youngest son. And I want to just literally show you the number of labels that Joseph wore. It is amazing. He goes from the favorite son to the dreamer. Then he goes to the despised brother, the rejected brother, slave, handsome, accused rapist, prisoner or felon, forgotten, favored, Interpret of dreams, forgotten once again, promoted one, savior of a nation, and prince among his brothers. He is labeled, relabeled, and labeled again, time and time and time again. And I think over time that I have realized that sometimes in a culture that loves to label us and label you and put you in a certain stereotype and then use that same stereotype to place you in a certain, uh, a certain demographic so that they perhaps might have power over you, I think you and I must discern that actually it is God who is the primary label giver, but if we're not careful, we'll wear everyone else's labels and we won't even know who we are unless we actually listen to our Father the most. Listen to what Genesis chapter 49 says. It is a very interesting text. Israel is literally about to die. He is about to join Abraham and Isaac in heaven. And the Bible says this, that he is prophesying over his 12 sons. He speaks a blessing over them. He speaks of their future. And in some moments, because of their character, he doesn't really speak a blessing, but he actually just tells them what they are. And it is actually not encouraging, but it is when it comes to Joseph. In Genesis chapter 49, verse 22, listen to what he says about Joseph. Joseph is a fruitful vine, a fruitful vine near a spring, whose branches climb over a wall. With bitterness, archers attacked him. They shot at him with hostility, but his bow remained steady. His strong arms stayed limber because, someone say because, because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because, someone say because, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you with blessings of the skies above and blessings of the deep springs below, blessings of the breast and womb. And then he ends with this final title of Joseph, the prince among his brothers. What is so impressive to me is that there are so many devastating events to Joseph. If, if I would meet 99.9% of you, your story, your background story could not even come close to Joseph. Let's just say yes. He is literally despised by his brother. As Pastor Steve was saying, literally they, they plan to kill him and they say, you know what, let's not kill him, let's put him in slavery. And then literally let's send him away and he is literally lied about and told, Dad, Joseph is dead and an and a, and a, and a animal has got him and here's his robe and they lie about him for years. But the interesting thing about Joseph, I find, 
is he is a slave but doesn't act like a slave. He is a prisoner but does not act like a prisoner. He is also, he becomes an Egyptian government leader. He is basically the vice president. What theologians call the most powerful nation in the world ever. Ever. This, this, Egypt at that time was the nation, not just the nation. It was the premier nation of all nations, perhaps to ever be on the planet. And he gets promoted to second in charge. Now he is an Egyptian, but he does not act like an Egyptian. In other words, his title has gone from Hebrew to son to, to despise one, to rejected one, now to slave, but he doesn't act like a slave. He refuses the labels that everyone else puts on him. He refuses to be identified really with Egypt and, and, and the Pharaoh actually names him and names him a different name. But you know that he refuses to be an Egyptian because when he has two sons, he names, names them Hebrew names. And that actually speaks of, no, 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 you might name me something, but I am a Hebrew. And what is a Hebrew? It is the people of God. And he refuses anything other than to be called part of the people of God. Are you with me, church? Listen to what Genesis chapter 41 verse 51 says. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God, someone say because. It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. Verse 52, the second son he named Ephraim. And he said, it is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Someone say, because God. Come on, say again, because God. He has no church. He has no praise team. He has no transform group. He has no youth group. He has no family. He actually has no Bible. If you really begin, he has no you version that he can do a seven day or a five day or a three day study. He has no preacher that he can listen to. He has no podcast. He has nothing really that would say, how in the world did this guy keep his faith? Like really, if you really look at his life, he is sent as a slave and spends years in prison. And how many of you know that if you have a, a gift and a call and a dream from God, and it is from God, but you are in a prison. How do you know you probably went a couple of bad days? You kind of like, really? You don't think there was a couple of shouting matches between him and God occasionally in prison? He, he, he is 17 years old and he is Potiphar's servant and literally Potiphar sees the hand of God on his life and he sees the hand of God in his life in such a way that he literally backs away everything he touches it literally just so he has success in it. And so much so that the part of his wife kind of looks longingly at him and he's attractive and he's 17. He is a young man with lots of testosterone. And she literally says, day after day, come to bed with me. Not one time, not like, oh, can I have your number? No, day after day. Which means there's temptation and temptation and temptation and temptation. And then he resists temptation. And then what happens? He resists temptation and gets thrown in prison. You don't think you go, really? I could be living the high life <laughs> with this chick. But I'm in prison because I obeyed you. 
I obeyed you and I didn't get blessed. I obeyed you and I thought my dream would be fulfilled. I obeyed you and you gave me the dream that others would bow before me and here I am I in a prison, forgotten. And how many of you know the prisons back then were not like prisons today? There is no three square meals. There is no toilet that you can flush away stuff. There, there is none of those things. You are in a dungeon and there's rats and there's smelly people. And if you're lucky, there's a blanket. And it seems like obeying God didn't work. It seems like obeying God did not work. Hear it again. It seemed like obeying God didn't work. It seemed like obeying God didn't work. It seemed like obeying God didn't seem to work. I obeyed you in my marriage. I obeyed you in my money. I obeyed you here. It seemed like obeying God didn't seem to work. He seems like he is forgotten. He feels forgotten. How many of you know that's a bad day? I've never been to prison, praise God. I hope I never have to go to prison, praise God. And the only thing that I can point to regarding Joseph's faith is because his faith is not sustained by himself. His faith is actually sustained by God Himself. Let me just take a moment to try and relabel for some of you your faith. Sometimes it can feel like if I attend church and if I read my Bible and if I serve and if I give and if I do this and if I do that and those things are important and those things are called the spiritual disciplines of our faith. They are vital to our faith. They are important to our faith. But sometimes our faith can shift to having faith in them or in faith in self. And what I want to point you to today is the book of Hebrews actually says that God Himself is the author of your faith and He is the perfecter of your faith. That means real faith, God started real faith. God gave you the ability, literally, by His grace, you said yes to Jesus. Now, do hear me now. It is not just the sovereignty of God. You and I are to work in communion with God. We are to work in partnership with God. We are to exercise faith. Paul says we put on faith. But how many of you know that sometimes you can actually feel like your faith is failing? But I just want to tell you, don't have faith in your faith. Have faith in God. God Himself has given you the ability to believe Him. Sometimes I just say, Jesus, I believe you. And then I shut up. I got this from my old pastor back in Wollongong, Australia. Bill Beard was his name. He, he, I remember for some reason him saying, he would say there would be challenges in the church and challenges financially. And he'd say, God, I believe you. And he'd say it out loud. And they'd say, no, no, go away. And I just let God deal with it. I do that sometimes. Jesus, I believe you. What am I really doing? I'm exercising faith. 
But I'm not saying, my, oh, Lord, help my faith. He's going to help my faith. He's given me the gift of faith. To each one is given a measure of faith. Are you with me, Church Alive? I find it so interesting that he has no one to encourage his faith, but God himself sustains his faith. Listen to what his, his father says again. Because of the hand of the mighty one of Jacob, because of the shepherd, the rock of Israel, because of your father's God who helps you, because of the almighty who blesses you. Is anyone with me in the house of God? Now, sometimes the story of Joseph can be used as a motivational talk to be faithful. And it's good. It's not bad. Dream, persevere, or oh, be faithful, and God will promote you to the second in the land. And everyone goes, yeah, come on, Tony Robbins. And it's good and it's not bad, but I want you to point, I want you to see for a moment why Joseph was actually sustained by God. Genesis 45, verse, four, uh, verse 5 says this, he is speaking to his brothers, the ones who sold him into slavery. He is literally declaring to them he has been reconciled to them. And here's what he says, why God did it. And now do not be distressed. And do not be angry with yourselves. Is that what you tell people that sold you into slavery? This 9 a.m. service, a little quiet. Um, <laughs> I can tell there'd be a little bit of attitude in this church if someone sold you into slavery. If someone sent you into prison, if, you, if your life literally was accused and wrongly accused and you spent years in prison and then you met the person who wrongly accused you, you're like, hey, have a nice day. <laughs> I love you, man. Come on, give me a hug. Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now, there has been a famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God, someone say, but God. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Hear that again. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. The very reason Joseph is rejected by his brothers is that the hand of God is upon his life. But the very reason he is promoted later in life is because the hand of God is upon his life. It is interesting that the 11 uh, brothers who represent Israel himself reject Joseph, but it is actually then a pagan nation who accepts and promotes Joseph. He is a type of Jesus rejected by the Pharisees and the Sadducees and literally his own people and sent over and then a pagan nation as in Gentiles put their faith in him. 
Joseph is not just a nice guy. He is a type of Jesus. And in being a type of Jesus, he points to the eternal purposes of God. And I have found this, if you'll attach yourself to the eternal purposes of God, God will bless your life and actually sometimes you'll go through trouble in your life, but that trouble will actually be a lesson sometimes in you and through you so that it can save other people. Come on, Church Alive. Who does Joseph end up saving? He saves His brothers, but out of his brother comes Judah, and out of Judah comes King David, and out of King David comes the Christ. God is always in the business of protecting his chosen people. God is always in the business of protecting his chosen people. Are you hearing me today? Now this scripture jumped out at me this week, and I want to read it to you, John chapter 10. Verse 3, and the sheep hear his voice. Someone say his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name. Someone say by name. And he leads them out. Let's read that again. And the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by what? By name and he leads them out. Why is it so important that you identify yourself primarily by the right name? Because if you don't identify yourself as the primary name, you'll actually miss the primary voice. And then you'll be led by a different shepherd. Why does the enemy of your soul want to get you into bitterness, into resentment, into people groups? Why does he want to identify, I'm a white man, I'm a, a black man, I'm a white woman, I'm, a, I'm an Asian woman, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a victim of this, I'm a victim of that. Because if you identify more with that than you do a child of God, you'll start placing yourself into groups and start listening to teachers. You are never meant to listen to and guess what they become your shepherds not the good shepherd hear me again they actually become your shepherds they lead you to a different place why because you have identified yourself as a wrong name Joseph refuses to be named an Egyptian and he carries on his name the people of God The the name people of God, the name Christian must be preeminent over your skin color, over 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 your economic status, over what country you are from, over some moral group that you begin to identify with. Your name, child of the living God, that must be the preeminent name. That is the preeminent name. Why? Because you're the people of God. I don't take on the morals of Australia. Most of Australia is just drunk. Most of Australia, that's not my primary identity. I live in New Jersey. That's not my primary identity. My primary identity isn't even just male. My primary identity is a child of God. 
My primary identity is a father. My primary identity is a husband. Those are my healthy identities. But there are so many voices who are trying to place you into different groups. And then they just spew out their teaching and 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 spew out their teaching. And And you find Christians alike who are following their teaching because their primary identity is not a child of God. They put all kinds of things on top of it. Hebrews, oh, let, me, let me give you this. If you like more succinct points, hopefully I said it's succinct, but here's the quote. When one of your identities takes precedence over your primary God-given identity, you can easily be manipulated by a culture who is always looking for followers. You need to use your discernment. You need to look at the lens of the Word. You need to look through some things that are just plain lies. You have to, you have to, you have to smell. If you spend more time on TikTok and Instagram than you do in the Word of God, it'll, it'll, it'll just lure you and take you. But you need to spend time in the Word so that your primary identity is who God made you. Your Father who made you. Your Father who loves you. You know, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 12 says this. So I will always remind you of these things, even though you know them and are firmly established in them. It's interesting that the apostle Peter would often say, I'm reminding you. The apostle Paul would say, I'm reminding you. There are these moments where you and I need reminder, don't we? And say, Pastor, I, I need something else. And I'm kind of like, no, 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 you need reminder. How many of you have heard Hebrews chapter 12 before? Let us fix our eyes on who? Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before Him endured the cross. And then it says, consider Him, think about Him, so that you do not grow weary and lose heart. And you're like, oh, I came to church today to be reminded to fix my eyes on Jesus. Yes. Did, did I get come? Did I come to church today to be reminded of who Jesus is and who He says I am? Yes. Did I get reminded today that yes, there's labels that lots of people want to put on me, but my primary label, my primary identity needs to be God made me, God loves me, and God has a plan for my life. But He doesn't just have a plan for my life. He has a plan, he has a plan for the house of God. It wasn't just about Joseph and, God, and Joseph's promotion. Oh, Joseph 101. How to get promoted by Joseph. Dream, persevere, faithful. Say no to the wrong ladies. It's good stuff. It is, it's good stuff. But it wasn't about Joseph. 
It was actually about Christ. It wasn't about Joseph's promotion. It was about the saving of lives. Both then, thousand years from then, and eternally. That's why the hand of God was on Joseph. And that's why Joseph couldn't quit. Because it wasn't him that sustained his faith. It was God Himself that sustained his faith. Sometimes you just got to know that you didn't sustain your faith. It's God who's sustaining your faith. Should you work with God? Yes. Should you read your Bible? Yes. Should you give and serve and do all the things that are Christian disciplines? Absolutely do they help. But let me just remind you today of who started your faith. Let me remind you today of who will end your faith. Let me remind you today that His eternal purposes are bigger than the eyes can see. And when things are perhaps going wrong and and not going like you think, and if you press pause, you're like, ah. You know, Joseph could have wrote the book, Why I Left God. Could have wrote the book, Why I Left the Faith of My Family. And he would have been rightful to do it. But how many of you know being truthful is better than being right? I'm right. My family, they suck. Well, they do. His family was the worst. But he says, I forgive you. God held me. Come on all across this place. Would you close your eyes? Father, I thank you for your people. I thank you for them. Come on, stand here for you for a moment. Holy Spirit, I just welcome you here right now. I welcome you to breathe upon these moments right now. Every eye closed. If you feel comfortable, just lift your hands to heaven. Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you for this place. I thank you for every man, every woman within this place. I thank you for their faith. I thank you that you sustain it, that you start it, that you'll finish it. I thank you that you breathe upon it a fresh oil from heaven. God, I I thank you for a fresh oil blowing in this place just of faith. Lord, faith to serve, faith to put the right perspective on things, faith to forgive the past, faith to move on from the past, faith to have an eternal perspective, God. Father, I just pray for faith, Lord, to be strengthened. I pray for faith to be established. I pray for faith to, to abound. I pray for Your children's faith. Lord, that it would be stronger and stronger than ever before. God, and they would be able to see Your goodness time and time again. Jesus, I thank You. Jesus, I thank You. Jesus, I thank You. Thank You, Lord. I thank You. Holy Spirit, take these simple moments. Touch Your people. Touch marriages, touch minds, break addictions, break the power of things that hold people back from serving you and loving you and seeing you. Shift mindsets in here that must be shifted. Let a new perspective, let a new day come, Father. Oh, I ask you to move in this place. Jesus, I thank you. 
I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. I thank you, Lord. this place. Maybe you're in this place and you have never said yes to Jesus. In a moment, I'm going to dismiss church and I'm going to ask people to come forward if they need prayer today. But in this moment, I want to talk to you if you're online or talk to you if you're new or maybe not so new. Can I ask you this simple question? you know the King. He knows you. He knows everything about you, loves you, died for you, died for you despite your past, died for you despite even your future. For God so loved the world. That's you. That's me. That He gave His only Son. Didn't give an angel. Didn't just send some man. He sent His Son. That whosoever, that's the invitation, whosoever would believe in Him, that's faith, would not perish, but would have everlasting life. The greatest invitation is sometimes clothed and seen differently. It must be seen by the, by the eye of faith, but God will give you the gift of faith. Maybe you're in this place today and you say, Pastor Anthony, I don't know if I know God, but I would love to know Him. I'd love to turn my life to Him. The simplicity of faith is to believe, not upon self, not upon good works, but upon Christ. It's to, as you turn to Christ, you'll actually turn away from some things. And there'll be lots of things you turn away from, but the simple thing is turn away from self. Turn away from trusting you. It's all across this place. If you know that God is knocking on the door of your heart, the best thing you could do, the greatest thing you could do is simply turn to Him and say, God, I trust you. So we're going to pray a prayer and that prayer all across this place can lead you to Him as we do it by faith and pray it as a church family. Come on, let's pray this simple prayer together. Say, Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for paying the debt I could not pay. For living the life I could not live. So I ask you in Jesus' name to forgive my sin. Wash me in your blood. Make me new. From this day on, help me walk with you. Help me know you. Help me discover your purpose in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. With eyes closed all across this place, if you meant business with God here today, you prayed that perhaps for the first time, or perhaps you feel like, man, I need to come back to God that prayer was just authentic and from the bottom of my heart all across this place I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and raise it up high 
just long enough so I can see it and respond to you and just thank you. Hands going up all across. That's awesome today. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. Thank you, sir. Thank you, those guys over there. Thank you. Thank you. Proud of you. It's awesome today. It's awesome, sweetheart. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You can put your hand down. Father, I pray for every man. I pray for every woman right now in the mighty name of Jesus that you would strengthen them and bless them and come upon them. And Lord, may their lives never be the same again. May they plant in the house of God, in, in your purpose, in your promise. Lord, in you. Lord, breathe upon them even now as they leave this place. Lord, I pray that you would fill each person with the Holy Spirit. Fill each life with joy. Fill each life, Lord, with righteousness and peace. Fill each life, I pray, in the mighty name of Jesus. In the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, a church alive said, Amen. Come on, let's give the Lord a hand.